Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. To all the non-believers, how did that? To all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. analysis of all proteins in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. It's draft night, and the box out is here for all your draft needs. Kyle L. in the box out, and it begins. The NBA draft edition begins right now. Box out here on Double G Sports Radio's NBA Draft Night. Jason, are you hyped? I'm hyped. I'm ready for the festivities. They're already starting already. Crazy moves happening already. Well, I, I assume they were starting at eight. I don't know why we were coming on, but they started at seven thirty. So there's already been a few picks. Um, not many surprises. Number one went to the 76ers. They picked up Markel Fultz out of Washington. Number two, Lonzo Ball. He gets his wish, stays in L.A., goes to the Lakers. Number three, Jason Tatum. Um, there hasn't really been any surprises these first three picks. I'm, I'm will- There's got to be a mess up somewhere between now. This is where it gets interesting between four and ten, I think. Well, well, that's the thing. Well, I'm pretty sure you heard Jimmy Butler got traded to Minnesota. He did. So now the Bulls, yeah, the Bulls have the seventh pick coming up now. So that could be a huge game changer for what the Knicks would them do, what what Orlando might do, what Sacramento might do. Um, yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna start picking up in about the next pick, the number five pick. Yep, number four right now, Josh Jackson goes to the Phoenix Suns, uh small four. So we're gonna talk about the Knicks in depth after their pick. I feel like this is probably the best time to talk about them after the pick thus far. But Let's talk about that trade that, that literally just happened. Jimmy Butler going to Minnesota. Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, I picked the swap in first-round draft picks. Uh, what do you think about this deal? And Did, did you see it coming? I didn't hear anything about Butler going to Minnesota until today. I didn't hear anything about it either. I love it for the fact that now Minnesota gets that veteran, true shooting guard that they need. And Coach Tibbs, you know, he loved, he loved them already. So it's going to work out perfect for them. And look at the Bulls. You have to admit, they got way more assets they, they, than they would have got anything from the Cavs. So that goes to show you, hold them out and putting out those smoke screens, you know, trying to save Butler to the Cavs and actually produce a better deal for you. It really does. Zach Levine, he's coming off a major surgery. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he returns from that. Uh, Chris Dunn, I felt like, was going to be – 
the sleeper pick last year. He didn't get a lot of burn with Ricky Rubio playing really well last year. Tom Thibodeau didn't play. Chris Dunn a lot. But coming out of Providence, I saw Chris Dunn has that point guard that can come in and really make a difference. And I think he can still do that in Chicago. And what looks like, you know, Dwayne Wade picked up his option to come return for Bulls. It looks like Chicago, besides Dwayne Wade still staying, getting that money, is in serious rebuild mode and saying, we got to start from scratch again. Yeah, pretty much. And that's okay because, you know, in the Eastern Conference, you guys finished as the number seven seed. So it really, number eight seed, actually. So that really doesn't mean much. So this is a great, nice rebuild where you got some nice young pieces. And you still have the number seven pick in the draft to go get yourself another wing guy. Yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, I know Jason Tatum went to Boston. I think that was a great selection. Deep, even though Carmelo's still around, I was hoping, and I knew it wouldn't happen, that Jason Tatum would fall to the Knicks at eight. I knew it was a long shot, but I really like Jason Tatum's game after watching him play at Barclays in ACC tournament. Something about his game I really like, and just having him around, and that versatility, and a big guy can shoot. I was really hoping that he would fall, and I, but I knew deep down he wouldn't fall. Yeah, you had to know that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I'm, re- I'm really nervous about that eight pick. We'll, we'll talk about that when it when it gets it. Yeah, and, and that's why I said I'm, I, we're, we're gonna hold off on Nick talk for now, um, just to get the pick out, discuss the pick, probably complain about the pick because I have a feeling they're gonna go the direction I don't want them to go in, um, and talk about Phil Jackson's pre-draft uh, interview on MSG last night. Uh, but first, we got to talk about the Nets. Um, that first pick was the Nets pick. Worst, you know, they won a draft lottery, but it goes to Boston. Uh, it's interesting to note that, that Brooke Lopez, now Laker, the Nets pick up D'Angelo Russell, which I think is a good building block for that team. They took a two-year flyer, like he told me through text and through our double G, uh, our double G chats. And Timothy Mozgov comes over in a in his contract, three years, fifty-four million left. What did you think about? the Brook Lopez trade. I loved it. I loved it because now you have a dynamic. It's, it's funny how the Nets always get these point guards throughout the years. Jason Kidd, Stephon Marbury. They always land themselves, Darren Williams, they always land themselves a great point guard via the trade. But I think he's a great, he's young, and I felt like his development got derailed in L.A. because, one, you had Kobe at farewell tour, which didn't benefit mm-hmm. anybody on that roster. And two, at the time, the Lakers were in flux. So I think he's coming over to Brooklyn. He has no weight and expectations on him. to come out here and ball and try to, you know, prove that he's legitimately one of the best point guards in now in Eastern Conference. And you also still have a draft pick coming down the pipe in number 20. So it's a, it's a win-win. And like we said before, the Nets are in a position where we know they're not going to be a free agent destination right now. We know you're in rebuild mode. So why not take on some bad contracts just, just to get you, you know, improve your standing so Boston doesn't get your number one pick again next year. So I really love the move by the Nets. And it also helps Russell, too. It helps the Nets a lot, I think, because it gives them that, that player for at least the next couple of years that's going to give them a face, a, a young player that can give net fans hope. You have this guy who, like you said, in L.A., he had, he was there for Kobe's last season, which didn't help anyone. And then last year, it seemed like they just quit on him completely. He played he played yeah. well, but the Lakers just wasn't sold on him. So I feel like he got screwed two years in L.A. You come to Brooklyn with no expectations, and you almost become the de facto face of the franchise for Brooke Lopez going now. 
But I, I have to say, for Brooke Lopez, this is this is a good move. Last year contract, you go into a teenage rebuilding, but you ain't playing with Lonzo Ball. You have Jordan Clarkson still there. You have Julius Randle. You have Brendan Ingram. You have a really good young team that Brooke Lopez can maybe work with and maybe resign with next year. Yeah, I don't. I think he's going to resign with the Lakers. I think he's going he's going to be a great centerpiece for that organization. Like if still, especially if they get Paul George, which I think that happens before the end of the night. I'm sorry. I'm starting to think that too. Uh, number five pick just announced the Sacramento Kings pick up the Aaron Fox, the point guard out of, out of Kentucky. Uh, they just showed John Calipari's face, and I almost threw up in my mouth. But uh, <laughs> so D'Angelo Fox goes to Sacramento. I feel bad for whoever goes to Sacramento going forward until they figure out what the hell they're doing in Sacramento. New arena. They fought so hard to keep their Kings and management sucks. Ownership sucks. It's just like they have no direction. And now the Aaron Fox, uh, the Aaron Fox goes there. Now the man who just broke Lonzo ball down in the NCAA tournament to a team that really has nowhere to go. I don't know about you, but I'm looking, I, I would probably subscribe to the league package. I don't already, but I probably will just to see that first Sacramento LA Lakers matchup. Uh, and they play each other four times because in the same division. So yep. it it should be interesting. I feel like Darren Fox, when he plays Lonzo Ball, he's going to bring his A game. This, those are the games where this guy who may score 15, 20 points tonight is right here, may score 30, 35 because he knows he's going against Lonzo Ball every those four games during the season. Pretty much. <clears throat> So I'm, I'm also I'm very curious about. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the Dwight Howard trade now. Dwight Howard got traded to the Charlotte Hornets the other night. Reportedly, a lot of these trades to report it, not really made official yet. But reportedly, Dwight Howard goes to Charlotte, and I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast today, and he made a good point. This is like the 15th that has kind of quit on Dwight Howard and said, you know what, he's not worth it. We're going to get rid of him. It, it, it kills me that years ago we looked at Dwight Howard as this once-in-a-lifetime star and shot blocker. He could protect the rim. He he developed a little Hakeem Olajuwon shake. He worked, he worked on his inside game, and now the game that he developed and took so long to develop is kind of obsolete now to the point where teams don't want to have him on a team. Not to mention his attitude is stunk. So it's just funny to see yeah. that you know Atlanta just took nothing in exchange just to get Dwight Howard out of uh, Atlanta. It's amazing how his stock has steadily declined year after year since he, you know, since he was last um, successful in Orlando, which, matter of fact, I believe the assistant head coach in Charlotte used to be his assistant head coach in Orlando. So maybe he feels yes. like he, he could, you know, muster up a little something out of him to help solidify that center position for the Hornets. Which has them great. They have a great backcourt already. So maybe you know, maybe a new, ch- maybe the six times the charm for the White Howard. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like Atlanta is in that that area of flux now because they make the playoffs. Here. You know, they're going to compete in the Southeast Division of the Eastern Conference. They're going to make the playoffs, five, six, maybe a seven seed. But besides that, there's really no no upward mobility for that team. They're pretty much content where they are. And I feel like get rid of Howard really is not going to do anything to the team. The team is going to continue to be a six or seven seed in the East because it's just the East and you can just squeak by and get a six or seven. But for Atlanta, I don't know what Atlanta's plan is 
and what they plan on doing and who they want to bring in. I, I feel like they don't really know where they're going. Atlanta's lucky they're not they're not New York market in terms of media hype because two years ago they were a fifteen team, and after they got swept, everything bottomed down so fast. And I think the difference between Atlanta and Boston is probably structure and management. They have a plan, and they are competing and improving at the same time. When you lost Hall- on Hartford, they should have immediately blew up the whole thing. And I was the White Howard didn't help. It was like a bad bandage, and it was still bleeding, and they took the bandage off. Now they don't have another bandage to put over it. So I think Atlanta really messed up. They missed their opportunity to do a proper rebuild. So now I think they're going to be in slots coming up. It's amazing how LeBron has manhandled the Eastern Conference where all these teams do not know what to do in terms of rebuilding or competing except for Boston. Yeah, it's and, – and we, we we talked about this a couple times over the last few weeks about whether it's feasible for teams to try to compete and go at Cleveland while LeBron's still there because – the rumor mill has been moving this week about LeBron not staying in Cleveland past 2018. So I don't want to report on that. It's just rumors, but it's, it's that dichotomy where do you compete now and try to knock out Cleveland and hope for the best? Or do you just kind of say, you know, we're going to stay pat. We're going to stand back, fall back and wait. And so Cleveland's window it ends and that window closes. I think Atlanta is still in between. I feel like Atlanta wants to get and make the playoffs and, try to compete, but also know deep down they're like, we have to rebuild. We The team we have currently constructed, and you saw when they tr- just traded Kyle Korver to Cleveland, they want to kind of start rebuilding, but they still don't want to. So I feel like they're in between. Yeah, which is a bad spot. Like we said many times, that's a bad spot to be in in today's NBA because you either want to be really bad or be really competitive. In between is not going to get you much help. No, it's not. If you're in between, you're stuck in that. You're stuck in an NBA purgatory where you don't know where you're going to go, and you're just going to stay in the middle. And then in the West, that would get you a tenth seed in the West. In the East, that gets you to the playoffs, easy. And then you get a five or six. You have an OK series, and then you knocked out. And they're okay with that because they will get the couple playoff games at home. They'll make put a couple coins in the pocket and they're good with that. But I'm just interested to see what Atlanta tries to do in free agency and his draft even. They have a you know higher draft pick, so obviously the pickings will be slim at that point. But teams like Atlanta, you look at teams like Orlando and the direction they're gonna go in. You know, I'm very curious to see what these teams do and how they configure their teams to try to at least compete and put a competitive team on the floor at this point. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, Orlando, they had so many pieces, and it's, it's, they should be they should have been competing for an eight or seven seed in the East. And speaking of Orlando, they just made the sixth selection. Jonathan Isaac, the small four from Florida State, My is guy. going to Orlando. Yeah, your guy, your your, your Seminoles. You're you're big on them all year. Happy for him. I'm glad he gets to stay in the state of Florida. He's going to have to travel down I-95, down to Orlando. He, he's a good small, He's a good piece for them, but they need a lot more pieces. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they they have decent young players, but then I feel like they have a lot of guards. Guys are playing out of position. I, I don't know. Who, who's coaching the team now? I'm confused. I know Jacques Vaughn coached the team. I know I went down to Orlando right when they hired Scott Skiles. 
and Scott Skiles got fired, and then the GMs got fired, who had this whole big elaborate plan. I don't know if you saw on Twitter how their draft, how their off-season board was kind of leaked. Someone took a picture of them in their war room, and the board of what they wanted to go after was on the board, which is the dumbest thing I ever saw in my life. I feel like they they don't know what they want to do, and they got a brand new arena, brand new arena downtown Orlando, amazing looking place. And no one goes because their team has stunk for years. Yeah, you know this is why this is why we both agree that the Nets getting Russell is brilliant because now you have that young face to be the you know the, the who you can market around. If anything, around Orlando, they just have a bunch of pieces, young players, but no real identity. Yeah, the, the good thing with this pick for Orlando, like you said, you have Isaac who played in Tallahassee. Who he might bring some of those Florida State fans up from New Tallahassee up to Orlando to watch him play, um, and you might get some more fans in Amway Arena because those no one's going there, and you might have a new face for that team now that they really need it besides uh, Aaron Gordon and guys like that. Yeah, what I really like about the fit as well is actually looking really interesting for the Knicks because there's a couple of good players still on the board, and I don't, I think the Bulls. Or Minnesota's going to draft. They, probably, they might draft a forward for them because I think that's what the Bulls need right now. So they would yeah. have enough guards. So on ESPN, I'm, I'm watching ESPN as we're doing the show to kind of keep up what's going on. They just compared Jonathan Isaac to Andre Karol- Karolenko. Do you agree with that comparison? Because I do not. I do not. Not at all. Karolenko is athletic. Yeah, and ESPN's doing this thing where Jalen Rose is doing like a Jalen's player comparison. So every player that's drafted, he compares him to another former current NBA player. And Karolenko's not the guy I think of when Jonathan Isaac comes on screen and how he plays. I just I, There's been a couple of Jalen Rose player comparisons, which I'm just like, I don't know what you're doing right now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very curious about this, this Bulls T-Bulls trade. I, I'm looking at it again. The the Bulls, uh, sorry, the Timberwolves lineup is intriguing now because you have a Rubio, you have Butler, Carl Anthony Towns. I'm assuming Butler plays the three. Wiggins is at the small uh, shooting guard unless they swap yeah. him out. Yeah, I think the Minnesota right Play now has as we speak exactly. This is a, they are at least a five or six seed in the Western Conference right now. They have the pieces, and they have the coach. Like you said, I expect them to be competing for a play. It's time. They're going to be competing for a player spot. So I'm, I'm looking at the lineup now. And I'm just like, this is insane. This is a this this is interesting. Wow. And this is not the trade I was expecting. First thing tonight, I'm, I've been expecting Paul George to go all day, and I was expecting that to be the first shooter drop. Jimmy Butler going to Minnesota was like, okay, I thought he was going to Cleveland. Then maybe those rumors were true about the Cavs players telling Butler not to come here. There's some there's something going on in Cleveland. It's not smelling right. And I think now is the time for somebody in the Eastern Conference to step up and be like, hey, we're going to do something here, and we're aiming to take out the Cavs. We're not aiming for a championship yet, but we're aiming for finals appearances. And you talk about Cleveland. Cleveland fired – well, I won't say fired – uh, that was the Cleveland Cavaliers and general manager David Griffin. 
decided mutually to part ways, which means David Griffin got fired. Um, it seems as if the Cavaliers owner, Dan Gilbert, was getting a little too big for his britches. And the direction of the team where Griffin wanted to take the team and where Gilbert wanted to go was way different. And I have a feeling that Griffin wanted to start looking towards the future. And Gilbert was not hearing that at all and wanted no part of that. I feel like that was that clash that ended up leaving Griffin out in the cold because Griffin was considered a front runner for the Orlando job. And Orlando asked Cleveland for permission to talk to him. Cleveland said no. Milwaukee's job came up. They said no. So now Griffin's just sitting at home getting paid. Well, actually, not getting paid. His contract's up. So now he's sitting at home with no job. Cleveland said no in every instance for him to go interview. And now he's just at home because Cleveland's owner has no foresight to think, hey, LeBron will probably leave. Kyrie will probably follow LeBron out the door. After that, we're screwed. We need to start thinking about the future, and Dan Gilbert wants no part of that. You know what? I don't know if you know this, but when they traded for um, Kyle Crawford, he put in that they get next year Cleveland's first-round pick, but it's protected. Mm-hmm. Now, we know the Cavs are, you know, the Cavs are perennial making it to the finals with LeBron. So why would you protect that pick? Maybe he knew something. Maybe he knew some of these changes were going to happen next season, and he wanted to protect Gilbert's interest by making sure that you know, hey, we're not going to lose a high draft pick if we bottom up. So I think he was looking long term, and something happened where him and management did not see eye to eye. I'm thinking it was because I think he wanted Butler, not Paul George. He didn't want the rental. He didn't want to give up assets. And there you go. I think Gilbert know. I think Gilbert knows in his heart to heart that LeBron's leaving, but he doesn't want to be the one to, you know, okay all these short term moves and then be stuck out there two years down the down the line when you're back in the lottery. Minnesota just made the selection. They they selected Larry Marketing, Arizona power oh, forward. Mm-hmm. So now you add a forward to Minnesota. This guy, he's. This is probably a good guy to come off the bench. He can shoot really well. He has amazing size, uh, defensive liability, but someone to come off the bench, give you a, a boost, hit a couple threes, give you about 20, 25 minutes a game. So this is a good pick for their bench. So now Minnesota's bench gets a little help now. So you have a good starting five, and now you get a little bench help. Yeah. I did, oh, wow. So now, now we come to that mm. question. Mm. This, this, this is where I wish. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I think there's a guy you like, there's a guy I like, but there's a guy that Phil likes. <laughs> Which one of us will be happy <sighs> in the next in a couple of minutes? No one. <laughs> no, <laughs> none of us. We're all gonna be we're all gonna be upset. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Phil Jackson's made that perfectly clear. No matter what he does, we're gonna hate his guts and we're gonna hate the pick and it's gonna stink. We got that down now. <laughs> so I. I it's to a point where I Kevin, I watched the Phil interview last night, and I went into it with an open mind. I tried. I said, "Hey, this is our president. I will show him the respect that he probably doesn't deserve. But I'm gonna do it anyway." And he came off like an arrogant douchebag last night, and that irritated me to no end because he came off as arrogant as possible, knowing that he has a lot to prove in this draft and in this free agency period, and he still came off with that arrogant look on his face like he knows better than everyone else. 
And that's what bothered me about the injury last night. Yeah. And, but you know what? I'm going to defend him for the first time ever. Uh, Are you serious? I'm going to defend him a little bit here. Okay. The trade, if Boston was going to pony up the number three pick, Crowder, and Brown, and next year's next pick, I might have taken it for Pristaff, only because the Knicks need pieces. And if you can exploit your one asset and get back four or possibly five, and you would have kept your number eight pick, that might have intrigued me to make the, to pull the trigger. See, but I, deep down, I feel like Phil's asking for a lot. And the report came out, that that's what they asked for. That's what they wanted for Pazingas to go to Boston. He's asking for these big packages, and the teams know, one, he's he's irritated. Obviously, we know Phil has thin skin. Phil feels a certain way that Chris Stapps didn't show up to the exit meeting. We, we know that. So now teams know, okay, Phil's upset. Phil wants to get rid of him. So now we're not going to take the offer that he puts on the table. We're going to give him the offer that we want to give him. We so are, over yeah. and over again, Phil keeps shooting himself in the foot because he keeps coming out and saying these things, which makes teams know he's trying to move somebody, which makes the other teams offer watered down because they know the urgency in which Phil's trying to move these guys. So Phil just keeps opening his mouth every single time, and he never opens his mouth. Every time he talks, which is almost never, he always puts himself in a position where teams are like, no, we don't like that offer, and we'll give you this because you want to get rid of him. We don't really need him. It, it, it boggles the mind how much he doesn't talk. He never talks, and when he does, he messes up. Uh, so it, it's, I love how he shows Phil's resume as a president right now. 90 and 1.1. Wow. It almost seems like he's trying to get fired. I mean, we say it every week, and everyone's like, no, no, no. I really feel like he's trying to get fired. He does not want to be there anymore. But he doesn't want to quit because he wants that money. But to Dolan's credit, would you want to fire him and knowing that you would be on the hook to pay him all that money, considering he's still paying Derek Fisher, he's still probably paying uh, um, Woodson. I don't know if you want to keep dishing out all this money. I say it still sounds <clears throat> me for money too. So it's like I kind of feel like oh. that, like damn. His mistake was giving him an extension. That was Dolan's mistake. I, that I blame Dolan on. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm of the mind where he he's going to run his course. I feel like at some point, Mello and I really feel like it's Mello and Porzingis. I think have this planned out where they're going to be just dissonance and just go at Phil back and forth and remind him and their wish of Phil. Yeah going away, whether he quits or whether he gets fired. I feel like Zing and Mello have a plan, and they're going to try to see this plan through. They do not want Phil Jackson there, and they're working together. But there's also something else I want to mention after the pick. Last night after the Phil Jackson interview, and then I heard today on a Michael K. Oh, you got to be joking. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Come on. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a little behind on ESPN right now, but I just got the text alert. They drafted the guards yeah, from France. Yeah. You gotta be joking! Oh my god! Oh damn it! Uh, Malik Monk is still on the board, ladies and gentlemen. Malik Monk is still there. They didn't draft Malik Monk. 
They draft a guy who started starting games in France. Who's never no one in the Knicks have seen him play live. No one has seen him play live. And you pick the guy. I don't understand. Get it. A guy who could prove option two in the championship game tomorrow, but you know, I believe he's heading on a train flight to France. But um, you know what this means? This means that um, you heard about the report that Phil fell asleep on someone's training camp workout. Yes, please, yes. Please tell the story so of Phil Jackson falling asleep during some workout. So I think that means it was either Monk or Dennis uh, Smith Jr. that he fell asleep on. Mm, I, mm, Jesus. And I feel like I'm, they didn't release the player's name, but I feel like they're going to get out there after tonight's draft. Can we just put it out there now that that report coming out says all that we need to know about Jackson's reign? Has New York Knicks a basketball operations? Can we put it out there that that's all that Nick said about how that and how big of an idiot he is and how he needs to go right now. Who falls, who falls asleep Who falls asleep during a rookie workout unless you're 85 years old and you it's your, it's your nap time? Who does that? In the middle of like a – you're in a practice court. There's balls dribbling. There's sneakers squeaking. Who falls asleep while someone's working out in front of you? Either that's like I'm tired. I don't give a crap. Or I'm not who we're gonna pick anyway. I'm just having this guy here as window dressing. It, oh wow, God, I can't. My head hurts. <laughs> My head officially hurts now. Yeah, I, I, I don't and, all along, and like you said, he's going to do it. I'm pretty sure he's not gonna slide, slide past uh, Dallas. Dallas gonna. Is this enough for uh, Carlotto? No chances. Oh, he's 18. So you get, okay, Malik Monk is 18, 19 years old. I, I get it. Okay, where guys are young, a lot of potential. We're, the draft is about potential, Jason. I, 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 I get it. I get it. But would you rather have a guy who played at a major university that you've probably watched live, not just in person, but on television? 10 to 15 times in during the year that you know, that you've seen, that you have scouting reports, your scouts have probably seen, other scouts have probably seen, and that you're probably getting information from as well. Or would you rather select a guy playing in France who, one, is not playing in top competition, two, just started starting games literally a month ago, and three, who you haven't seen play in person? They just they watch the same video that Fran Fraschilla watches when he evaluates players. That little minute clip, that's what the Knicks saw. We like this guy. He hit on the triangle. That's what they watched. I'm you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give Joe once again the benefit of doubt that his scouts did a, a remarkable job doing their homework. Well that's what I'm hoping for. But I will say this. Had he played in college in NCAA, his stats might have looked a little bit better. So maybe going over to Europe and playing in that French league, maybe it might have been a betterment. It might have helped his development a little bit better. 
jeez. Right now on ESPN, they have Franks. I'm going to use his first name because I can't pronounce, still can't pronounce his last name. Uh, his all-star potential and his potential. His all-star potential is 14. His bust potential is 59%. <laughs> oh, my God. It's 59%. I get 59% to just, just – Oh, just crap out. I can't. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I can't hear what he's saying. I'm pretty sure the crowd booed him because you do. And we don't know who he is, so we probably booed him. But, it, it, uh, okay, anyway. <sighs> Let's move on, shall we, sir? Let's move on. <laughs> uh, last night, had. He had an interview on MSG with Al Troutwig. And the rumor of Christoph Porzingis being traded has been floated around for a couple of days. And he actually addressed the rumor. And he said this. This is courtesy of MSG. Last a lot of rumors flying nice. around and reports, too, that you've been listening to some trade offers for Christoph Porzingis. Is that, in fact, happening? We're getting calls. Um, you know, as much as we value Christoph's and, you know, what he's done for us, when a guy doesn't show up at an exit meeting, everybody starts speculating on, you know, the duration or your you know, movability from a club. So we, we've been getting calls and, uh, you know, uh, we're listening, but we're not uh, intrigued yet at this level. But uh, as much as we love this guy, you know, we have to do what's good for our club. And what would be good for the club? Why would you do that? Future. You know, what, what it brings, does it bring us two starters and a draft pick or, you know, something that's even beyond that is something that we have to look at as far as uh, going down the road. We know what he is. He's a unicorn and he's special. Was missing that exit interview a big deal or not? Um, I don't think I've ever had a player over 25 years of coaching, maybe 30, not coming to an exit meeting. Um, so it's, it's not happened to me. Um, I know it happens to other people and other players. Um, and his, you know, his brother and his agent have said, you know, downplayed it. But, you know, still it's a chance for a person to express themselves. And I had a real good relationship with Chris Dobbs over the last two years. So it was kind of surprising. Does there need to be some repairing? Well, I've reached out. Um, you know, we've communicated, not through uh, voice or anything, although I've tried to call. But yeah, it's uh, it's got to be, and they say no worries. He's working hard, and you know there are plenty of pictures on the internet about him working hard and and uh, working at it. Um, so yeah, we'll get it back. We're oh boy! So, uh, <laughs> so you he's a special player, and not for the future. Why would you trade someone <laughs> that you know special? That can probably, am I going to say Porzingis is going to be the number one option on the team? Probably not. But you know what you're getting with eventually. And, you know, he's going to be a 1B, a 1A. But I definitely feel like exit interview rubs feel the wrong way and he's holding a grudge. And he's talking really greasy like he's talking right now. Because he feels a certain way about Chris Dapp saying this I'm leaving. I'm going. You putzes have no doing here. I mean, you know what? 
I'm doing a lot of defending my show tonight, and I didn't think I was going to do You really that. are. Porzingis is 21 years old, and Phil mm-hmm. was 20, 20 years ago removed from winning multiple championships with Michael Jordan. Even if, you know, we all have our days where, like, we don't want to hear from our bosses, but out of respect that they are our bosses, we do at least enter that room and act like we're there. I think he did owe Phil at least that. So I'm going to – I understand why Phil's upset. I think he would have been more – he would have been less upset if it was Melo. Even the situation with Rose, when Rose went AWOL for a game and the, the Knicks organization treated like, eh. But for is to be 21, they feel like he should be the, the one that's really in line here. So I kind of feel feel for that. I understand what you're saying, and I get it. I'm like, yeah, he, he's your boss, and if you have Carmelo stayed for his exit interview and probably said, listen, you don't like me, I don't like you, I'm not going anywhere. B- but he, Phil has to understand also that you have a young player who his second year got hurt a lot. He was in and out of the lineup. The offense that he plays well in doesn't really suit everyone else. And Listen, in Michael Porzingis plays really well, but Porzingis is also on the court too. So you have a player that can that is flexible. He's frustrated. I feel, and this goes back to my point I wanted to make earlier. The guys on and uh, in particular, and I will name names: Alan Hahn. Uh, was Alan Hahn, Al Troutwig, Wally Serbiak, Wally Serbiak at face value because Wally Serbiak. You know, decent NBA player, great college player, played some ball. I trust him. I trust him. Alan Hahn, as much. He's a talking head. But for them to be so righteous about presenting is not going to the exit meeting and saying, he's a young kid. He's two years in. He deserves it. Kind of like what you said, but I also feel like you get it. I like you understand why he did it. So, so you disagree with him doing it, but you understand why he did it. So, you can see it from both sides. They're dismissive of the reasons. And I think that goes to MSG kind of getting off the testicles of, of their people not being able to properly disagree with them. Yeah. There was so, and I don't know how was on the Michael K show today talking about it, just ripping Chris Desperzingas about he doesn't, he doesn't have a right to do that. And in my head, I'm like, he has. He's an NBA player. He's a good player. He's not some guy at the end of the bench who's who's skipping exit interviews. He's a guy that can change the fortunes of your franchise skipping exit interviews. So the self-righteousness about this whole situation, it started with Phil going throughout the whole MSG origin. And I think that's what irritated me more than what Phil said. Well, then you also got to remember, too, I feel like Phil's starting to get a little bit ahead here. Where he felt like, hey, you know, he's facing franchise. He's, you know, he, he feels like he might be the heir apparent to, you know, get the king of New York. So again, this is still a way of trying to reel him back in a little bit. Maybe he really wasn't trying to portray Porzingis, and he was just out there feeling offered, and you know, asking for way too much, knowing that teams like the Celtics wouldn't give in, just to like, you know, try to check. I think he's trying to mentally check Kristoff. Yeah, but I feel like at the end of the day, 
if it comes down to it, you have Kiss Chris Esposito and Carmelo Anthony versus Phil Jackson. James Dolan is an idiot. I, but if it comes down to that, Dolan side with because it's getting to that point where the battle lines are being drawn. Who will side with? Will he side with Phil? Or will he side with Carmelo, who you traded away his team four years ago, and Porzingis, who's what's in the seat to put money in your pocket? I think that's the that's what's happen going forward. Yeah, and and I think there's no way to know where they go with that because James Dolan, I I don't know I don't know what he does on day to day basis. So who knows what he's who will pick? Uh, Sacramento Kings their second selection. Go ahead. I was going to say, once again, I'm defending Phil. I noticed that uh, we're up to the 10th pick, and no one has picked the uh, monk yet. So maybe Phil saw something yeah, I'm, or I'm... didn't see something in that, um, in that workout. Or maybe Phil just fell asleep on the workout. Um, Sacramento, <laughs> their second, second pick in the first round so far, Zach Collins, power forward. He is going to Sacramento, but right now there's a proposed trade between Sacramento and Portland with those swap picks that trade is up in the air. As of right now, Zach Collins is a Sacramento King, probably going to be a Portland Trailblazer uh, very, very soon. Speaking of Portland, and that was a team that was mentioned uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast, I feel like they're going to make a trade to get rid of someone on that team. I think picking up a Zach Collins means that Evan Turner may be going. Alan Crabb trade block. Uh, thinking about Portland, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Portland because I'm familiar with the West Coast teams are tough for for us guys on the East Coast. Yeah. Do you think of them? Do you think they can get quick if they make some deals? Because the Nets have been rumored to look at Alan Crabb and Evan Turner and take on some more salary and maybe get some more players. Do you think Portland, with the combination of Damon and McCollum, can get good? Maybe one more. And it doesn't have to be a big three, but maybe just the third person to go in there and have a third dimension to that team. They do need extra. They do need another playmaker on that team. But I think, I think their ceiling is it's really low because I feel like they're going to be in the same predicament. Even if they, if they got better, they're only going to be maintaining. And if you know what I mean? I mean, in terms of, like, playoff position. I think Minnesota with Butler just leapfrog them, leapfrog New Orleans, and possibly lead from Utah. So I feel like Portland is in that in that awkward position we talked about earlier, where like you're trying to rebuild or you're trying to compete. So with these other moves, these other Western teams are making, they're just trying to compete. They're just trying to make moves to compete to stay relevant in the playoff chase right now. Yeah, I, the Minnesota trade has definitely changed the dimension that Western Conference where. I think Minnesota won't be, and they weren't an easy out last year. They played hard every single game, and I think that is a credit to Tom Thibodeau and the coaching job that he does. This year, you're looking at a team that won. Jimmy Butler has Jimmy Butler's on a good team now. And you put everyone's yep. shadow. He's out of the shadow of the Wayne Wade. He's out of the shadow of Derrick Rose. He's, it's, he's, in, he's in Minnesota. He, him, I'm going to say he's the man. I'm, I'm Towns runs that team. It's his team. But Jimmy Butler is going to be that one B to Towns is one A. I think now. Yeah, it's it's a great pick. I'm just think about it. 
because, like you said, the whole dynamics of the Western Conference is changing a little bit. But we know who's the superior team, the Warriors. Now we're hearing LaMarcus Aldridge is on the block, so we don't know what we're going to get from the Spurs next year. Houston, after Houston, that's it. It's a, it's an open it's open crapshoot, and I think Minnesota positioned themselves to be a top five team now in the West. Oh, a tweet from the uh, the verticals. Adrian Wojnarowski just said that Boston is engaged in serious talks on a Paul George trade. Um, there was also another tweet just three minutes ago that the Paul George they are talking Boston and Indiana, but the sides are not close at all. So talking, but it seems like Paul George to Boston has a rental because will not stay in Boston. He will be strictly a rental for Boston. That could happen sooner than later now. Yeah, but I think Boston is going to have that next or latest pick next year. And I think that's what Boston wants. I mean, I think that's what Indiana wants. I don't know if that's going to happen. Or it could be a ploy where the Lakers get on the phone now and be like, hey, we don't want him going to Boston because he gets in our culture. Danny Ainge, we know how he is. He's a sweet businessman. And he sees all those down and seems like changing the mind about coming to LA. So I think Magic might be getting on the phone shortly. I'm, I'm of the mind. The Lakers won't try to trade for him because the Lakers he wants to come there in the off season. So I feel like the Lakers are state say this is what we got. We're going to stick here. We'll get Lonzo Ball a year. We'll try to move Jordan Clarkson or we'll develop Brandon Ingram a little bit more. And the next season, next summer full court press with me about Moz Golf and they're probably gonna try to trade Lou all happy contract. But that's, that's full blast. Mm-hmm. That that'll be my trade and that'd be my trade scenario to you. If you lose the Lakers, I mean use the Pacers, would you accept Lou Albang, Clarkson, the twenty seventh pick in this year's draft for Paul George? Okay, wait. Okay. So you said dang? Clarkson and the and twenty seven. Yep. I feel like because I, I feel like Indiana cannot go into the season with Paul George on the roster. It would just, it would no. be such a distraction. It would be such a distraction, and you're not going to get nearly the value. You, especially in the Cavs situation, you're not going to get value that you normally would for a player like Paul George. So I think. I think tonight's the night you have to deal with. I feel like I Clarkson. I like the pick for Dang. I feel like I would need another pick down the line of some sort of complete the trade. So I'm not saying first first round, but rounder in 2000. 19 in there, or first round does 19 when you're going to, and I'll take that. I feel like, because Luol Deng really, and he he's still serviceable, he still has something left in the tank. You're not going to get much from him, but an overpaid man off your bench. I feel like Ooh. I need a little more. Like a second round pick in, in later years would probably complete that trade a little bit better. Okay, I like that thing, Jim. 
just selected Malik Monk with the number 11. Monk is finally off the board. He goes to Charlotte with Dwight Howard. So uh, I guess it's going to be Monk doing lobs to Dwight Howard since that's what Howard can kind of do right now is dunk. How do you like that backcourt of uh, Monk and, uh, and Walker? I, I think – and listen, they're interchangeable because Walker played a lot of two-guard last year. So you can switch them up and have Monk bring the ball up and have Kemba play off the – I feel like this – the versatility – I mentioned this about the Knicks – Picking up Monk. Monk can play the point and he can play the shooting guard. You that versatility, you want that, especially the Knicks, who don't really have. I feel like that's something we could have used. I think that's something we'll use very well. But the Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker with Malik Monk, and now Dwight Howard in the middle, in the middle, just and he, I feel like he's just going to be there just to rebound and play. Deep. Dwight Howard is not going to score twenty points a game. I think I think Charlotte can have something now. Speaking of the Knicks, real quick, with with who they drafted and with Jimmy Butler going to Minnesota, what really is the market for Derrick Rose? I feel like he's going to get re-signed with the Knicks now. That was one of the questions that Troutwig told last night, and Phil Phil probably gave one of the best House of Cards Frank Underwood answers I've ever seen a man do in real life. <laughs> Because he didn't answer the question. Would you like to re-sign Derek? Well, you know, Derek's a great player. And, you know, he's a good guy. That's not the question. He didn't answer anything. He just kind of went around the answer. But I don't – I feel like it depends. I think Rose is going to take less money than what he reportedly is wanting. I feel like they will try to make a run at him and try to re-sign him. But it's a terrible idea that they re-sign Derek Rose. So he, he brings up to the table. He brings absolutely nothing off. Like he played well when he did play, but I can't get open. It's the unforgivable sin of him just being flat and not telling anybody where he was going and to go home. I think that's unforgivable. And the fact that Phil just let that slide gets pissy when Przingis misses misses his exit interview because he wanted to hear from him, not to take his take his input. It's just it once again, I'm 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 about this now. That's just Phil being that. Hey, I drafted you. You're supposed to be my protege here. I'm supposed to help make sure that you're going to be destined for greatness as a New York Knicks. I think this is Phil just being the overbearing parent, upset that his prodigal son did not want to attend his exit interview, and he's really hurt by that. And, and, like, listen, you're men. Like, you have an issue. Would you prefer him to go in the office and curse you out? Or would you prefer him to say, you know, I'm going to go home before I say something I shouldn't say? That's what I feel. I feel like you, you have a young man who's first mellow win at Phil in his exit meeting. You really want a 20, what, 20, 21-year-old guy saying, listen, you see this whole organization stinks. I'm going to hell home. Do you want that again in the same day? Yeah, I don't think you Yeah, that wouldn't have gone that well. No, it, it. I'm still trying to figure out what the plan is. And he said it back, and um, I wanted to get that cut, but I couldn't find it. Just what he said. He's like, you know, contrary to what the fans think, you know, we we do know what we're doing. He said that, and that was also the other arrogant part of the interview. I'm like, yeah, you should do it. I'm like, you see that, and it's all well and good, but 
your actions have to show, and his actions aren't showing that at all. <laughs> not showing us that you know what the hell you're doing with this job. Gotta love Phil. The the mass <laughs> is always working. He's always working. The, he's always working us, the media, the fans. I just wish he was working well, in the front office. Well, it's like I I, I compare Phil. Uh, once again, this is a wrestling. Uh, so if you're not a wrestling fan, you're listening. Sorry, I compare him to Vince Russo. Vince Russo was a writer ah. for the WWF and for WCW and for TNA Wrestling. And he his big thing was he like he liked to work. He liked to keep the fans doing one thing, but then swerve them and something else happened. I feel like Phil is working all the fans like a Russo uh, storyline into just thinking, yeah, this is going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, okay. Malik Monk. Okay. Yeah, Malik. Okay. That, no. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Phil fell asleep. Oh, damn. Okay. And then he, <laughs> then he kind of, in the cover, of, he, he restarts the NWO with Bret Hart and, you know, Scott Steiner. No one cared. He drafted the French point guard, and we were like, I overreacted, but deep down, I'm like, it's Phil being Phil. It is what it is. <laughs> I don't care anymore. <laughs> so it's, it, I feel like, I, I feel like we talk about the same thing over and over again. Luke Kennard just drafted to Detroit, uh, number 12 overall. Shooting guard from Duke probably made his money. ACC tournament when Duke went on the run and won the ACC. So Kennard goes to Detroit. Um, I feel like we said over again about Phil, and I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I we need a break from Phil. <laughs> Absolutely. Unfortunately, free agency starts. Any free agency <laughs> starts in two. I know. Free agency starts in two weeks. That break yet. So the and this is an interesting selection by Detroit, and um, I didn't realize it, so I actually looked at Detroit's payroll and who's on the team. Detroit's paying a lot of money for guys who, and I hate to use this phrase, but I'm going to use it right now, who don't deserve money they're making. It's interesting because now you get a shooting guard, i.e., small forward, who can come in, he can shoot. I start right away Luke Kennard. What do you do in Detroit? Because now you have uh, Caldwell Pope, who is a restricted free agent, and someone's going to make him a big offer sheet. Does oh, Detroit yeah. match it? Now you still have Andre under contract. You have the abomination of Reggie Jackson's contract still lingering. What What do you do now? You have Spanish actually showing their team. Reggie Jackson, Caldwell Pope, restricted free agent. They overpaid for Tobias Harris. You still have Marcus Morris who's making some money. Andre Drummond's making a lot of money. That's just terrible. And now you add Luke Kennard. What does Detroit do after going 37-45 with this overpaid team that they have? Yeah, they, well, they underachieved last season. They should have been a playoff team this year. And maybe, I still have faith in Van Gundy. I think they have to. They're gonna to have to ride the ship because they're not gonna be able to shred any of those contracts unless you know they talk to a, a, a Nets 
or maybe a Sacramento and try to make something happen. Other than that, they just probably have to, you know, write it out. So you say you have faith in Gundy is coach and president of the Pistons. Are you a fan of coaches having those dual titles? Because I feel like it could be a gift and a curse, too. Are you a fan of that? I am not. You know, when you're multitasking at that level, you're, you're doing a bad job in one of the two. And we see that with the Clippers. We see that with Detroit. We rarely see it with San Antonio, but we kind of saw it a little bit if you think about how the whole LaMarcus Aldridge experiment has imploded over there. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I, I see what happened you mentioned in L.A. and in other places. You looked at, and I'm, I went as far back as when Calipari coached the Nets in New Jersey, and he was and and coach, and the moves he made was even questionable. And that's when the Nets still had a serviceable team and right when Stephon Murray came into town. But I feel like coaches, you want coaches, coaches who are GMs are good in a sense because they're with the players every day and they play So you would think, who like players? Who better assign players? Who better talk to players than a coach who all his whole life is to get to know all the players in the league and know the tendencies and know how they play and know their weaknesses, know their advantages. But I also feel like coaches can't handle both. I feel like yeah. you're good with the X's and O's, but then can you, can you negotiate a contract? Can you negotiate terms of options? Can you negotiate no trade clauses? Can you do this? Can you do that? I feel like I'm down with that. And not to mention, you look at what Doc Rivers, I think Doc Rivers, his loyalty started to really affect the team because he's so loyal to that group he has in L.A. that I have overpaid for Chris Paul to stay. And I know the rumors are out there about Jordan being traded, but I think deep down he doesn't want to break that team because he's so attached at the hip to them. I think that's going to be his ultimate downfall. But you know what? That's where turning to the West is going to play an intricate part. Because, yeah, he probably is in the back of his mind thinking that, like, he doesn't want to bring up the team. But Jerry West is going to be, the, the you know, the conscious on him and be like, hey, listen, man, you're going to have to do this if you want to, you know, for the betterment of this organization, you're going to have to break up that team. Because we all agree their window, is, their window probably closed two seasons ago. So I'm looking currently at some old tweets, and on yesterday, which I did, I, I must have missed this. Brian Wernhurst told the GSPN that the Clippers spoke to Detroit, since he's talking about both teams, about trading straight up Drummond for DeAndre Jordan. I'm not sure how I feel about that trade. I'm not sold on that at all. What do you think? Yeah, I probably wouldn't have made that trade. Because uh, Drummond with me, it's like the same same player. But Drummond's like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get from Drummond night in and night out. At least DeAndre knows that he's, you know, he's limited, but he plays hard. Yeah. They both can't shoot foul shots. So, you know, last three minutes of games, they got to sit out. They have to sit out. They really haven't developed any type of inside the game. And add in the fact that like gone from that low post games to more centers and power forwards who can step out, their games have become obsolete now too. So, and they're not like Brooke Lopez who 
all of a sudden learn how to step back and hit threes, they're not going to do that. Right. So what do you do? So I feel it. Ugh, that's a terrible. That's an awful trade. <laughs> like, why would you even have that trade discussion? You're just trying to generate interest in both. Like, you know, I guess they're really trying to get rid of DeAndre, but who's in their right mind is going to take a center like that into the NBA? We see what the White House is getting here. I can only imagine that Jordan's going to get you up far less. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, shooting guard out of Louisville, number 13 by the Denver Nuggets. Um, Bulls trade in place for, to the, for the Jazz, so Mitchell may not be a Nugget for maybe moving over to the Utah Jazz. So the shooting guard in the 13th pick, maybe this is the Jazz's way of saying that, hey, we're not going to resign Hayward, so we got him right now. Which is brilliant because at least you're being proactive about it. And when I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Hayward gave them the the heads up that he's probably you know heading out the door to Boston. I'm I'm curious about his and it was mentioned today, the NBA salary cap was supposed to be about 102 million dollars this offseason. It shrunk to 99. I'm curious about what Boston does now because. They were, according to some, I don't know. Obviously, I don't have numbers in front of me. I don't have the, the books open. But there were, if they want to max out Gordon Hayward or max out Paul George, they would be short. Some some city would have to make a move to loosen up some funds to get one of those two players. I'm curious now whether Boston is still running for Hayward or if Hayward would be willing to take less money to go play for Boston and his former coach, Brad Stevens, in Boston. Because right at this point, according to reports, Boston is short money. They don't have the money to max out Hayward or max out George. But if those players are willing to take a pay cut, possibly it could still happen. Now, this is where loyalty and winning might lure Hayward to take a pay cut, knowing that that's his former coach, knowing that he's guaranteed no less to making it to the Eastern Conference Finals next season, if he maybe he might take you know less money to go to be in a winning culture. It's all about his priorities, and we're gonna find out this summer like where his priorities where they are. Well, and I, I feel like the oh, the free agent market this year. I feel like the, last year was a cash grab. Everyone knew it was gonna be money all over the place. Everyone knew that okay, we're gonna money this year. So that's where you saw Mike Conley he signed. Al Horford uh, took the money and run from Boston. I feel like, like you're not going to see as many big deals, but I think guys, like I just mentioned, might be willing to take less money to win. Like you just said, a thing is going to take priority over, I want that max contract now. Am, am I just totally off, or do you think players are thinking more like, I mean, money is money. I will make the money. I just want, I want, I don't win. I want to win some games this year. Not only win some games, you don't want to get your brains beaten by the Warriors. I think that has a lot to do with a lot of players' mobility coming this off this free agency. They don't want to be out there against, you know, look at the Jazz, a great team, 50-plus wins, got their brains beaten in four straight games. Hayward's thinking, hey, I can go in Eastern Conference and compete with LeBron and give him some lumps. 
why not do it? So I think I think, think it's a balance of power right now. I just think a lot of guys are looking around the landscape of the NBA like, hey, I don't want to get my head beating every night. So let's see who, who is a, what's the best option for me right now. So uh, according to J- Jay Billis right now, his best available, he has Harry Giles at number nine, has his best available left right now. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Giles and – his ceiling, his potential. I mentioned it last week, and I will say it again because I kind of did some more reading up on him and watched a little bit more tape about him. I'm not sold on Harry coming out of Duke after his freshman year and only averaging three points a game. I have a huge problem with that. And I feel like the team that gets him, you're looking at a project and look at a guy who's going to need some time to – play into his body and play into those new ACS and I feel like it won't be I feel like Harry Giles could be one of those those big busts that like a like a Yinka Dare of Oh god Yinka Dare oh my god I remember I remember that I remember that bus yeah like he played for New Jersey I know all about Yinka Dare I totally agree with you you should have seen him do Developed his game, no rush. Worst case, it would have better improved your draft stock next year. You would have gone in the top ten instead of going in the late first round. So yeah, I think a lot of players need to like really watch this whole one and done, especially when you wasn't really that productive that one season you was in the NCAA. So I just brought up a picture of Yankee and why. He had, he kind of like Shaba ranks a little bit. I don't know if you remember remember Shaba ranks from the nineties. Ah, Shaba, yes, yeah. <laughs> he got a little shit. This is really weird, and they almost have the same haircut in Giles. Yeah, he's definitely gonna be. He's, yeah, totally agree. Adi Bajo, I'm probably to power four at Kentucky. He goes to the Heat overall. Uh, the one game short of the NBA, of the NBA playoffs. Uh, obviously, white side is entrenched. Has a guy who played against top competition from Kentucky. Uh, maybe another bench guy come off the bench, give another big body grab, rebound. So Miami, a little bit, they kind of get a get some more length. On. But I wonder if. Season this year, because I feel like Miami is like a player or two away. I feel like Miami is a player or two away from getting back in the playoffs. I feel like they and they lost a few really. Games. I think that's why I think that for instance that Eric Spolstra had at the end of the year, and he was very emotional because I feel like there was a couple games where if they had players that would have got the ball, they would have made the playoffs easy. And it wouldn't have been down to the last game of the season. So I feel like you're right. They're really close. And I feel like Deion Waiters is a beast. You put Deion Waiters with Hassan Whiteside, you have players with Miami in a market that is not there anymore. The way Wade left last year. You have a market that wants, and these two guys is trying to prove, listen, don't worry about the past. This is our time now. So Miami, Miami 
will make the playoffs next year, but they're probably going to eight seed. Yeah. But it would have been they're still they would have been a fun seventh or eighth seed to watch. Like I thought if they would have got in this year, they would have probably lost for the Cavs quickly, but it would have been an interesting series. And there's Cal Perry. Uh how do you feel about how do you feel about Cal Perry always showing his face when one of his guys get drafted? You don't see this on any other coaches, from the big no. three coaches. No, I don't see Coach K at the draft like, yeah, all right, man. All right, cool. I don't like <laughs> Calipari is all about Calipari. I t- like I saw my mom this week and we were t- our podcast and she's like, I heard you call someone a scumbag. And I'm like, Yeah, that's John Calipari. I call him <laughs> scumbag every week. And, and it's true. Calipari it's about him. It's and I against my better judgment, I rewatched that damn 30 for 30 with him. And I watched it again. And he's a brand. I, yeah. I compare John Calipari to LeVar Ball. Big mouth. Ooh, I like that. And just all about himself. About me. How he yells at these guys. How, you know, I did this, Dad. I want to do this. I went to UMass. I, yeah, you went to UMass on probation and you lost the Final Four berth. You went to Memphis and cost him a year because you knew Derrick Rose didn't take his SATs. You know that's going on at Kentucky. Just saying, not making accusations. But I know something's going on at Kentucky that no one's found out. You went to two programs and dirtied them up. There's no doubt you're in Kentucky dirtying them up. So it, it's all about him. He's, he's a brand whore, and that's what it is. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> I say what you think. It's a matter of time before the next. It's a matter of time before the next scandal drops. Oh yeah, I, I'm. You know, I'm, and I'm not saying that someone's taking money from an agent. I'm not saying that someone. I'm saying something like SATs, accountability, something like that, where he something's going on, but he's going to let them play because he's trying to win games to make himself and pad his resume look. Better. Not about, not about the school. He goes to the recruits' houses, and the recruits are sparkling about him. Oh my God, Austin said, "Listen, you may, may not play on my team. A lot of playing time." He said, "This Davis, who was the number one high school senior in the country, you may come to Kentucky, you may not play very much. Like, who the hell? Is yeah, I'm gonna play. Yeah, what, what is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, and, and the guys like." Yeah, you know, and it made me want to go. No, it didn't. <laughs> it was probably a trip, and probably what they did on that recruiting trip, i.e., Louisville. I will leave it right there. Um, so no, I don't. I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. Watching that Calipari thing again, but you're right. He's the only coach that always shows his face at every single draft, every single year. His guys get drafted, and it's like, okay, one shot. Let's look at the guy getting drafted. Two shot. Calipari, he's always in the picture, and it's like, God, just go away, just go away. He never do. <laughs> no, no he, he never will, and I'm never getting my wish. And ah, whatever. Nine one four three three eight zero eight is the phone number. We're in the second hour. Uh, we're gonna end soon. I know you guys just waiting to hear one of us go off about Phil Jackson. We're not going to anymore. <laughs> we're done. No more Nick talk. We're gonna try to. 
leave it alone. But if you want to call in with some views and opinions on the net, the Knicks draft pick, what you think the Nets will do, we probably won't be on when the Nets make the pick. We're close. They're they're two, right, Jason? In the, in the ballpark. They're twenty-two. They're twenty. They're twenty-two. They're twenty-two. So we're at fifteen right now. So there is a chance we could be on when they get there, but we'll see. Um, so nine one three three eight. Eight nine seven and give us your your opinions about uh, NBA draft tonight. So right now they're showing the Kings and Trailblazers proposed trade. Right now the Trailblazers will receive Zach Collins. This pick for the Blazers will go to Sacramento. And question is, if Adam Silver just spits it out, Justin Jackson, shooting guard from North Carolina. So he got drafted by Portland. The proposed trade sends him. To Sacramento. Now, Sacramento, this is very good. Now you get a Sacramento. It, it really is. It, it, you get a good, yeah. you get a good shooter, but he's also a streaky shooter. In in the ACC tournament, he had a game game one, and then against Duke, I think he shot like six for twenty four, something like that. So you're getting a good shooter when he's on, but you're getting John Starks when he's off, and I think that's going to be very key for his career. But I like I like him and Fox in the backcourt. That's a nice young backcourt to build around. It really is. And to, uh, listen, I, I I covered the Sacramento Seattle thing years ago, um, and I thought that they had a plan in place. I thought that they knew what they were going to do. But I'm of the opinion that Vladi Divac should not be anything, and that the the owner and similar to what Doc Doc Rivers. A lot of loyalty. That owner did not want to trade to Marcus Cousins. The trade market was there. Sacramento was going to get a king's ransom for the Marcus Cousins, and that owner was so loyal to the Marcus Cousins until he just couldn't be loyal anymore. I feel like Sacramento, and I feel bad for Jackson. I feel bad for Fox because I feel like they're going into a situation with an inept ownership and a president GM who should not be a president GM running that team into the ground. And we mentioned earlier, they just don't have a direction. And now Justin Jackson's walking into a situation which can be bad for his career. Yep, absolutely. Which is only going to hurt his development and who might be out there in two years. Yeah. The Bulls are on the clock. So we talked about the Bulls trading Jimmy Butler earlier. They picked up Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. Where do you go now? Because I'm Looking at who's available, this is where the draft kind of falls apart because this team right now are players that can make a major act. 16 on, I think this is where it hits the wall where you start having question marks for every guy being drafted. What position do the Bulls go now? And who? Hmm. You have to go for guard now because we I know they're not spring chickens anymore. Got done. So it will help, you know, on him, but you want another. I cigars league. You can never have enough. Are you because I was when Dwayne Wade picked up that option, or did you know it was like it's, it was a money grab? You know, he's gonna get he's gonna get bought out. You can definitely see he's gonna get bought out. He's not gonna uh, say, wait, say that one. Well, say that one more time. You broke up a little, little bit. No, I think I think Dwayne Wade's contract won't be getting bought out. I think he won't be there past before the off by the by the off cover. He'll be gone. Huh. Well, right now, he's showing the Bulls roster and showing what happens now with the trade. So now you have 
Chris Dunn starting, Dwayne Wade, Zach Levine, Robin Lopez, Miracic starting now. So you that's not a lineup. If you like from there, you got the inside handle, Robin Lopez. Milicic can shoot, so you have you can stretch the forward. He's still, you know, he's still a dunker and still can do a lot of work, but Levine's shot's getting better. Chris Dunn, I still believe, even though last year didn't show, can be a huge for any team he plays for. Totally. As shape as I thought they were. Yeah, totally. I, I, he got a bad blow. I think in Chicago, with the system that they're going to run with, uh, for he's going to feel flourish. Is Fred Hoiberg a coach? I'm still Fred Hoiberg. Fred Hoiberg has an NBA coach. I'm still like he—he's a cop, and I think he's never going to be a really good NBA coach. He's good. He's—I mean, he's an offensive player, so and he's a guard. So I think it's when you have a guard coach, they usually help with the young players' development. So I think Dunn's going to be great. I think Rondo. Who's going to stick around for another year will help also in the development. So I say definitely draft another guard here and see what you can do. Well, I'm still not sold on Rondo. I'm, I still think Rondo is going to have one of those temper tantrums that he always has. I think he, I think he had something to prove last year. He's on his best behavior. Now is the time where Rondo loses his mind, and we see being Rondo again. But see, that's the thing. He's like Howard now. He's on his stock is not nowhere where where it used to be, and he's on a he's on a he's a journeyman now. So it's like it's either you be getting falling right now, or you get blackballed out the league. Yeah. I, I'm this this Bulls pick is really bothering me because I really don't know. And the name I've been hearing, I'm not sure if you've been hearing this lot. Also, it's been Terrence Ferguson. Um, he wanted to go to Arizona. Yeah, he wanted to go to Arizona and play college. That didn't work out, so he went over to Australia for a year. And remember the NBA rule: a year removed from high school, you can go to the draft. He went to Australia for a year, and now he's in the draft. Apparently, a lot of people are big on him, saying he's not the right away guy, but you give him two, three years, he's going to be an impact player. And I'm curious to see where he goes because now we're getting deeper into the draft where you have playoffs who can just build the guy up and work with a guy for a couple of years so that when i.e. a Cleveland i.e. a San Antonio when the time comes he gets slid right into his lineup that's a good pick oh they went with, the, they went with uh, Justin Payne yeah I I don't know about that. I don't know oh, about no, that. No, 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 no. Remember, this pick is going. This pick is going to Minnesota as part of that uh, trade for Jimmy Butler. So yeah, it makes sense. This is probably who who was Minnesota wanted. So, and Justin Patton from East, uh, Big East Center, adds some length, adds a body. You have someone who could back up a Car Anthony, a Car a, a Pekovic. So. Very thin. Two twenty nine is very six eleven guy. Right. I feel like he, yeah. he really has put some. But he does have a play. playing in the Big East. You know he has that toughness because the Big East is not tough inside play. So 
Minnesota's picking up a guy that is going to fit right into Tom Thibodeau's defensive style and what he wants on defensive end. Yeah, definitely. I definitely like it. It's just another, like you said, another big off the bench. But I'm looking at what's the best available players here, and I'm like, the Nets are in position to grab somebody. Who would they pick? I have no idea. And we're going to keep going right next pick right now. 17 with the Bucks. They have about two minutes left on their clock. And Kyle, John Calipari is on the screen right now. I don't know why he's on screen, but he's on the screen nonetheless. Uh, what, what the, that DeAndre Jordan Drummond trade really is bothering me because I really don't know where they're going to go. Because both teams, you have assets that just doesn't work. Uh, Jason, you Calipari, yeah, John Calipari <laughs> hijacked my phone. And then he took the Wait, just Barclays. You gotta love it. <laughs> I was just saying, people texting me. I think Jason's back. I'm like, am I off? I don't know what's going on. And of course, you come back on to John Calipari on TV. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We should just end the show when we got it. That probably was the best way to end the show. Oh, it, there's no other coach that does this. Who? Why are you here? Just the scary part is next year he'll probably get that 20th player in the lottery in the last seven years. So we're, we're still going to have to deal with this guy another couple more years. And he, and he has no way of going anywhere. And he's talking NBA again. Like the room NBA teams are really looking to come back and coach the NBA. And I I don't see grown men yelling and carrying on. I don't see it. No, his style of coaching would not work in the NBA today. And the only organization that could have seen it happen was probably New Orleans or Sacramento. And that's it. I, and I don't even think they would want him right now. So I think his time is passing going. I feel are horrible for Coach Patino, though. Because I see, I feel like Patino's like going through his mess, looking at Calipari like, this is the guy. This is the reason why I'm going through this mess. No, it it's it, it bugs me out because for getting suspended for, I think, was it five-game suspension for the whole uh, the prostitute thing in Louisville? All right. So he gets five game suspension. The team loses some scholarships addition. And looking at Calipari, I don't think he's ever personally gotten any type of trouble for everything that happened, both at UMass and at Memphis, which kills me because at UMass, you give him a pass at UMass because you don't know you don't know all the time who is coming in, who's putting stuff in guys' hands. I, I understand that. But you're the head coach of a basketball 
prerequisite of a basketball school. You don't know that a player into SATs and is probably ineligible, and no one told you that. I have a hard time believing that, and he never got penalized for it. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. He's good at placing buffers, so I think that's what happened. He know he know, he knows how to maneuver the situation. He's built, he's built Belichick without the rings. Actually, he well he's he's untouchable no matter what. Belichick never gets in trouble. As everyone else around yeah. him, Belichick is Teflon. No matter nothing happens with Belichick. So they're showing the lottery picks under Calipari going back to 2010 from Kentucky. Patrick Patterson, first one, his first lottery pick in 2010 in Kentucky. He's been doing this for years. I enlist. As much hate as I heap on John Calipari, I do respect what he's done. Is he a good coach? Yeah, he knows his X and O's. Do I like him as a man, as a person? Absolutely not. But I do give him respect. He does basketball, and I could and I could totally respect that. But I just I don't I don't see the appeal. <clears throat> so many other coaches that should have got a thirty for thirty, and all the guys in the set are just laughing and just enjoying the stories that Cal. But no one's gonna talk about. Hey man, you're a little dirty. But just say it. it I, this is like a Phil Jackson conversation. Every week I said the same thing about Calipari, and it's just I'm getting. <laughs> yep, the same thing over and over. Right. So Milwaukee is on a clock. Pick is in. And right now, Adam Silver is walking to the podium to announce the 17th over for the Milwaukee Bucks, who went 42 and 40 last year. And their selection is DJ Wilson Power Forward out of. So this is now we're starting to see a lot of big bucks now, which is very interesting. And I think DJ, I didn't see a lot of DJ Wilson at the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty long, so I like I like the mm-hmm. pickup. You can pair him up with the big feet, and now you have a nice little one-two combo right there. And you still, it's a really good pickup. Versatile, athletic, and I feel like. But then again, I feel like the best team with guards. But like you said, a lot of the guards are off the off the table, so you got to go with the best available at this point. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're hitting that point like they hit in the NBA, NFL draft midway through the first where, you know, teams usually have the draft board. And right now the draft board is very empty into this point in the first round. Now, you're going with the best available person, and, you know, the, the, the pickings are getting slim now. Like some of the names still available. Best available, Terrence Ferguson is still there. But besides that, there's really no one there that's raising any eyebrows for, you know, teams to say, this is the guy we want. He is going to be the centerpiece. This is who's going to lead us for the next 10 years. I think this is the point where you start getting bench guys and those guys that can shoot and guys that can rebound and guys who are going to come in and give you energy off the bench. Yeah, definitely. That's why I'm interested to see what the pace is paid considering the whole Paul George fiasco and circumstances. Do you start the rebuilding? Do you do a complete rebuild right now if you're Indiana? I think yeah, you have to. I mean, once you trade Paul George, obviously you want to trade Paul George young assets. You either want young players who are going to start right away or you want draft picks and stockpile them. When you get assets, it's time to – Larry Bird left. And I still think Larry Bird left because he knew what was, was going to happen. He just saw – And I'm – Yeah, I, I, I'm not 
I wouldn't be surprised if Paul George pulled Larry Bird aside and said, listen, I'm not happy here. And I really, I'm telling you first, keep this between us. I don't plan on coming back. I feel like Bird knew. And he's like, I'm done. I don't have time to rebuild. I don't have time to start from scratch. I'm, I'm going home. And I feel like that's what really happened. So for Indiana, this is important because it's, it's not a great pick. It's 18. So you're not going to get anyone of any real value, but you you have to start building. You got to start kind of filling and filling in holes, and then start thinking big for Paul. Yeah, that's the one good thing about getting rid of Paul George. You'll get something back in return, you know. But like I said, I guess I guess it's my turn to see now. Well, also the key to the, all this too is. To take, not take no for an answer. I feel like, I feel like a lot of times, and we see times where teams know a guy's not going to resign, and they're in such a rush to get rid of him, they take any offer, and the offer makes no sense. So I feel like this is kind of like this is what we want. This can win. We expect this. If we don't get it, we'll we'll lose them. It is what it is. But, but this is what we do. I feel like it's very important for them to hold their ground and say we want X, Y, and Z. And not deviate from that. Hopefully, we'll see. So, uh, probably it's nine thirty-two on the East Coast. No, we have about twenty-seven minutes to the top of the hour. I'm thinking about. I'm not sure if we're gonna make it to the net. The Nets pick. I feel like the draft just started right about now. It got really slow, really fast. Slow, yeah. It's like it was like boom, 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 and then just stopped, and everything slowed down. Hmm. I. I am okay. I'm interested in this Indiana pick now because I want to see who they go, where they go. Because, like I said, there's really no one. There's no one available right now that's really gonna make a difference for them. Adam Silver there walks really the podium. Mm-hmm. There really isn't, but hey. Yeah. Interesting. TJ Leaf. TJ Leaf. Powerful of UCLA. Hmm. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, I, I, he's a well, he's a he gets wrestled really well. I like this. He's very clean. Very. Other than that. I don't know what you're going to get from, you know, I see you made first team all pack 10, but that's not really saying much over there. And who's to say ball going to make him, make him look better? Mm-hmm. I'm Can he do the same thing? Maybe, but I don't know. That, that pocket square, however, needs to be tucked in a bit more. <laughs> He's great for the market, though. He's great for that Indianapolis market. Yeah, I'll say that much. Clean, yeah, clean cut guy. You know, he, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be. You think about trying to think of the offer and what they want. What would you, what would you want for Paul George? You, you don't want. You obviously want to get rid of Paul George, and if possible, a bad contract or expiring contract. But then, what would you ask for back that? Is for you, but also won't make a team just cut you off and say we're not talking to you. A big question now. 
the I think the problem with Paul George is though it's only maybe two teams in contention for his services, and that's Boston and the Lakers. So a lot of other teams are are scared to get into that derby. And I feel like the Lakers have the draft pick. They have next well, they don't have next year draft pick to offer, but Boston has that draft picks to lend him. But I don't think Boston's in that business, even though they're hoarding all these picks. They need to do something and trade for somebody. And this is why I go back to the whole Lakers conversation. I think they should lowball Indiana and be like, "Hey, listen, take Dame off our hands. We'll try to get you a trade pick. We'll try to get you. We'll try to trade for somebody. Get you a draft pick. Take another player and take that or leave it." And I think at this point, I think in the end they'll do it. Do you think Boston, like we said, the Lakers know George wants to go there next year. Do you think it's going to get to a point where Boston's going to start negotiating against themselves to get Paul George for just one year? I don't care how much convincing Boston can do. I still do not believe if he gets traded to Boston, Paul George is staying in Boston long. I think I think the Indiana management needs to really check the Indians when listen. There's some chaotic events going on in Cleveland. LeBron might not be there after next year. Why not get Paul George, take Paul George over here, compete, see if you can take out these guys, put them out the misery now before the even before Golden State does, and then maybe that winning culture might be enough for Paul George to an extension. And you possibly only have to part with Crowder. And I wouldn't even offer the Nets pick. I'll offer it as the Lakers pick next year. And I think that would be enough to rent Paul George for a year. Hmm. Summer is going to be very interesting. This, this is two weeks. going to be very – it's going to be nerve-wracking for a lot, a lot of people. But it's going to be fun and hear the rumors. And hear the reports. Who's talking to who? Who's doing what? Cleveland talking to San Antonio about Green. To me, makes no sense because Danny Green comes at a high price tag, good player, but he's yeah, making dollars a year yeah, for the next two, two years. No sense. For seven points a game, really bad shooting year. Team, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on Danny Green right now. Hold on, what Lavar Ball said. After Lonzo Ball was drafted, um, LeVar Ball says the Lakers will make the playoffs in Lonzo Ball's pier in L.A. What do you think about that prediction? If they got Paul George, yes. Would I Paul George? <laughs> no. They're back, in, they're back in the lottery. They probably win more games. They'll be picking with a Knicks pick next year. They'll be, that. They'll be picking eight. Eight to ten. There's also another story that came out too, and I totally forgot to mention this. How do you feel right now? Sources have the Rockets targeting Chris Paul, Paul Millsap, Kyle Lowry, and Griffin. How do you feel about Houston kind of pushing their chips to the front of the table? We want these guys to compete, and we're going to go after these guys. Fit in with Houston system. I think it's a good idea. I don't think any of the players are going to go there. I don't. Because I, I wasn't the same about Harden. I thought Harden was you know, exceeding as a point guard. Now we're pushing him back to the two guard. I don't know. I don't know about that. <clears throat> well, I think, look at it like, I think a Millsap could work in that system. 
Millsap can work in that system. Because Millsap, I feel like, can range breaking. Yeah, I think Mill. No. And to me, that's the problem. I don't think Chris Paul would strive in that system. But I don't think you very much don't need him either. So I do. I do. We're saying Ryan Williams, Lou Williams, and Patrick Beverly are all block. So it it seems like they're willing to let go of some of these guys. Uh, and the Hawks just made their selection at 19. They selected Johns out uh, first at number 19. So he goes. Um, back to Houston, though. I'm. I'm still not sold on Houston only because their lack of defense really just really bothers me. No, at some point, D'Antoni has to play defense. At some point, he has to push defense. If you're not pushing defense, you're not going to win. I don't care who you pick up. I don't care who you trade for. I don't care who you sign and spend money on. If you're not playing defense, it's like you can't win a championship. Golden State played a little bit of defense and won. I feel like Houston's right. defense. So I feel like that no matter who they pick up, if defense, if D'Antoni doesn't bring some, well, D'Antoni's thinking was with D'Antoni. He's thinking, he's thinking, hey, if I outscore you, then we win the game. So I guess that's he's like, defense. I want to be out here shooting the ball every three seconds. And you know, it, that will it it could work. However, they. Shoot so many threes and so many long shots. If you catch them on a bad night, you can blow them out. I.e., look at the series finals in that game against Golden State. They got smoked because right. they had a. So I thought you have a bad, bad shooting night. You're not counterbalance your bad shooting night. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose big. So I feel like it's great, it's great to make threes and score. 140 points a game, but only hits any of threes. You got to go back on the other side of the court and play defense. That was always my, and that he deserves. The Tony's a great coach, but for everyone still such a gimmick because of that last play. Totally agree. Totally agree. But I like Houston. I like Although Houston. that, uh, that, that, that be aggressive. Well, this gave Daryl Morley a four-year extension. Yeah. Oh, geez. Wait, four years? Yep, four-year extension. So the GM will be there another four years. <laughs> which, which says a lot because four-year extension on top of the contract he has now. David Griffith won a championship year extension added on to his track in Cleveland. So to me, that Houston ownership, like, we believe what you're doing. We believe you stay here and keep building. Cleveland ownership is like, I like where we're going. You can go home now. Yeah. So, and we always say it. We, you know, we always say it. It starts, if ownership sucks, then your front office is going to suck, and then your team's going to suck. And I feel like Cleveland, after that series, after their final series, going into when Ron leaves, they're going to suck. So it's – and you're right. Houston being aggressive is really, really good for the NBA. Because I feel like now 
you have Golden you're going to have Houston. OKC is still kind of how far they're going to fall without going or, or what moves it. Minnesota stock just went high up because of the trade they made tonight. The West might be this year is very interesting because you had a really big flat playoff spots. The West is going to be interesting in that middle section between like four and seven and how the teams shift from this year to next. Absolutely. I was number 20. So now I believe, is this pick going to Portland? I'm oh, sorry, this is Portland, Sacramento. Sacramento, yes. Yeah, so the proposed trade. So Harry Giles drafted by Portland, but the pick going to Sacramento. So it was Duke, Ford missed the first season through the offseason. He averaged three points per game. Didn't play a ton. And you saw he missed the first 11 games. So he really didn't start getting his footing on probably late February, early March. We need to more and more minutes. Um, going to Sacramento, once again, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't think, he's, I don't see him making a major impact in Sacramento. I don't, I don't really see much happening. I, I think, I think so. And it's unfortunate. Had he come back to two between one more year, he would have been a top ten lottery pick. Towards ACL on both his knees, knee in 2013, and his right knee in 2015. So it, it you're getting a skinny power board. Didn't play a whole season in college. Coming off of two injuries in both knees, who only played an average of 11 minutes during his freshman year of college. I'm not sure Sacramento selected the right person. I'm not sure that was a smart move. Yeah, I don't think it was a smart move either. Because at some point, we got to hold these um, organizations accountable for development. And I feel like Sacramento is one of those, you know, it's a desert. No one, they don't develop anybody, you know. So I feel... I predict he'll spend some time in the league by the end of the season. And, and they were just picking up Jackson. I felt like this would be the pick where they, they were going to screw up. And I think you do well. You have three draft picks in the first round. You pretty much know that the first two, the first, the second one's going to be good. And you always yeah. think that that last one is always going to be like, and this is that moment for Sacramento right here because this is not this is not the direction I would have reached at twenty from Villanova, but you get a, a fear starter coming to a team that needs a little bit of leadership. You have a lot of young guys. Why not get a Josh Hart and like, hey, you're not going to bench, but we need a guy that can put together. And Josh Hart is not going to give you twenty points a game, but he can give you a, a little bit of stability. Yeah, because Sacramento. Yeah, I've looked. I've looked at Sacramento's roster. They don't have much stability on that roster now, because what they have is just. I'm going to bring it up in a second, but I'm pretty sure they have nothing going good for them right now. Probably not. Because <laughs> Rudy Gay's gone, Mark's cousin's gone, 
I think they still they still have Darren Carson and paying him still too. I think. They, yep, they're still paying him. It <laughs> and and they just stockpile these players and it's like, is there any point to anyone? <clears throat> Ninety point, ninety five point five million dollars last year was the Sacramento Kings. Next year they have Aaron Afalo making five million, Costas Kufis making eight point three, Garrett Temple making eight, Anthony Tolley, Matt. Uh, they're still paying Matt Barnes. Collison's a free agent. Ben McLemore has an has a final. Offer for five point three. We have Willie Cully signed, Buddy Healed, Giorgio's Papagetti is making two point three, and really it. So look at the roster. They were trying to trade Macklemore all season, so he's going to be gone soon. Besides Aaron Follow, who on this team is worth watching? Maybe Willie Stein. Is Buddy Heald, is Buddy the budding star in the, in the league? Buddy Heald and Fox could be a great combo now. It could be. But he, Buddy Heald, he's so, he just, he, he's, he shoots really well, and that's all he can do. I feel like you need more. Oh yeah. Oh, I I totally agree with you. I agree with you, but I, I do feel like he. And listen, King's ownership really wanted Buddy Heal. This was a guy that they really wanted in the Demarcus Cousins trade to New Orleans. This is a guy they they, they coveted. So apparently they they know something. They see something. If you you spread the floor out, you put Jackson at the three, but he flip flop him. De'Aaron Fox at point. You you're right. You could have something. And Buddy he, he's a shooter, so he's a volume shooter. So maybe him getting those touches will help out a lot, and maybe help a little bit. Yeah. Still not enough to make them. You know, Thunder. We all know Sacramento. No. Right now, their pick is in. They'll be announced in a second. 40-35, which was good for sixth. In the, uh, they have some holes to fill, too. I mean, you, have, you have Russell Westbrook, who you who you believe will be the edge when it's announced. About it on that team. It's a good pickup. Say that one more time. It's a good pickup, but I don't know what to expect from him, though. Yeah, yeah. My, my my is, and this will be the issue of Oklahoma City Thunder going forward. Who will want to play with Westbrook? I think that's going to be the question for it for as long as Westbrook is in OKC. Who wants to go there and play with him, and who can deal with him? That's true. Because he he's not he's not the um. Okay, does this pick make um? What's the name expendable? Who? Um, what's his name? Why can't I make that name on top of my head right now? Uh, oh, the Depot? Yeah. 
I don't know. No, because I feel like Oladipo, he has a track record. So you don't want to – track record, mind you, is not that great. For kind of unproven, you don't know what you're going to get. I think that if he – and he just kills it, I think then you're like, okay, oh. And this is the, this is one of the Nets to pick, the Nets now. And this will be the last pick before we. This is this is who I want the Nets to pick up. So now, I'm the, the Nets are going to lean toward from Germany now. I think I'll think more of. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. I'll think more. Of, I'm thinking definitely a definitely a European player. Maybe a center. I mean, yeah, they have they have to go big. They don't they don't have many bigs anymore. One big really. So they. they yeah. And they got Moscow. Let's 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 be honest. Like, come on, <laughs> he's done. Tim, Timothy Moscow. Is... I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing Moscow many nights in New York City. <sighs> Do you think that Prokhorov kind of wanted to get off in town just because, like, they're they're kind of and they're from the same country, and like, hey, I got someone to drink some vodka with, hang out, you know. Russian, you know, party, B, you know, party BS, you know, go hang out with Jason Cordner at the at the club he's at. And... I can't wait to see that first picture of um, Prokhorov and Malkov together. Russian finest, I can't wait. Oh, my God. I, I will say this, though. The Nets will be entertaining this year because of oh, De- D'Angelo Russell. Because he, 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 D'Angelo Russell is going to play his ass off this year. Moscow, I feel like, is going to play a little hard. He knows what people are saying about him. He knows that everyone thinks he's one of the most used players in the NBA. And you have Jeremy Lin now, who's probably going to be moved to the two guards. So you can see Jeremy Lin shooting a little bit more, driving a little bit more. And we said it a lot during the season. The Nets, there's not a lot to say about the Nets hard every single game. And that's all you can ask for for a team that, frankly, competitive for years to come. It was it was definitely one of the the worst teams, but they like you said they they maybe out of the eighty two games maybe fifteen of them they got blown out. It's that it might have been less than that. They were so competitive. A couple of possessions here and there. Like well, it's said, funny. We, so we are big know. fans of we're big we're big fans of management. So I think they're doing everything they can do probably concerning the circumstances they were given. And we're like we love. Of Brooklyn Net management, <laughs> <laughs> and like we—they're grown ups. They act like adults. That's what I'm like, though. Yeah, because they, and we say, we say it all the time. And I don't want to call it a process, but it's have a plan in place. They know we're not, but we're going to do the best we can, and set ourselves up for later down the line. You know that. They understand that. They're sticking with the plan. For Phil Jackson to come out and say, we know what we're doing, tells you that they don't know what they're doing. If you have to say it, you don't know what you're doing. Ooh, look at the record. They're showing the record to the fly. <laughs> it's 49, 44, I, 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 38, 21, 20. 
Oh, and I'm I'm looked at who would be drafted next, but I'm pretty sure next year's class won't be as good. But you know, top three is always going to be those. You're going to get those franchise changing players. But the Nets better not better not be that bad next year. Yeah, don't give Boston another top three. Well, it's funny on our double G chat. Somebody put up a cover of Wants a Piece, and it was Jason Kidd as coach, Kevin Garnett, Darren Williams, Kevin. Uh, uh, who's Dylan? Darren? No, Darren Williams, Garnett, Pierce, Brooke, and Joe Johnson. And Joe Brooke Lopez was the, yep, and Brooke Lopez was the last guy to leave. That was. That that sports illustrator said a lot right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that's the All risk right. you take Spencer. when you try to compete against LeBron. Listen, you, you want to go all in, it's okay, but be prepared for the consequences. Be prepared for the consequences. I dropped my phone waiting for this pick. It's in. This is what gets me about the drafts. The pick is in. Just come out and announce the pick because we live. They have two minutes and 41 so they have to get the pick and we're not going to get the pick and end our show. <laughs> so they have to hurry up. Adam Silver needs to move his butt there and announce his pick. And it's still oh, this is the league's insistence on doing this or is this the ESPN? Sherry Dagan. The center from Texas. Hmm. About it, I don't know how I think about. It. I don't know what I think about this, but uh, definitely needs to hit the gym. His hair <laughs> needs to get. We got plenty of barbers yeah, in Brooklyn. We'll take care of that. A little. <laughs> That'd be the first thing he does when he's in Brooklyn. Like, you're gonna get that. You're gonna get that whip up. You're gonna look nice. You're in Brooklyn now. Not Texas. yeah. Step. Texas. Yeah, big eye. Yeah, I don't. Mm. Seven five. Good player, but I don't. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's 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 pretty big. And you did say they need they need a center, and Moscow answer. He's only there to eat some con, eat some salary, keep them above that salary floor, and that's it. So maybe this is who they think a line could be that guy that can take. Hmm, very interesting. Which yeah, we'll talk about some of the day. Working this game, kind of working yeah. this game, but uh, the Nets do have some. They they do have a point guard now, so we'll see. It just it stinks because, only because he played in the Big Twelve, where competition is very light. So he didn't play against the top. Yeah. The Big Twelve besides Kansas is good and terrible this year under uh, Smart. So, Jason, a million hours in the books. Did you have a good time? I had a good time. It was a great time, you know. Um, lackluster picks by the home teams, but we'll have plenty of time to dissect that and uh, come next week. Yep, next week, the box out, 8 p.m. Thursday night. We'll be back. Normal time. Won't do two hours next week. Don't need much to talk about. Next week, the quiet before the storm of free agency. So for Jason, 
Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next Thursday here on WG Sports Radio. Have a great